Yeah, cool. It's it's Jesper Drescher here. Um, got a bunch of investments. Uh, one of them is the company named BeautyClick. Another one is Medundo, uh, sitting on the board of Sky Garden in Africa as well. And, and got another portfolio for around 25 investments in Africa. This, this, is, this is Diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen. And today on Diversified Game, I have Jesper here, and he is a serial investor, entrepreneur. He builds things up, you know, exits, teaches other people how to exit, and he's doing a lot of investment in Africa. And I saw him on how we made it in Africa. For, he was talking about one of his many projects, Beauty Click, and I said we have to get the game if he would be so kind. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good thanks, good thanks, and, and thanks for taking the time. Thanks for inviting me. Well, you know, you you have like a wealth of knowledge, and I haven't seen a book yet, so I said I have to like ask all the questions that the other interviews I've seen you do have not. But you know, I know Beauty Click is one of many things. But can you just take us into your mind on when when you see an opportunity, how you see an opportunity, and how do you know? when to leave and sell a company? Yeah, that, that's a lot, of, a lot of questions at one point in time. But I think the most important thing is, you know, identifying the good opportunities, then develop them. And, and then, as you mentioned, uh, know when, when to exit. Uh, to identify good opportunity, to me, especially when we look at Africa, it's a lot about the team and a lot about the business opportunity. When I mean the business opportunity, especially looking at what is the market segment here, actually. You can't just replicate things from the West. You need to be realistic about the customer segmentation is totally different in many other countries across, across Africa. So spend a lot of time and actually looking at the total addressable market that combined with the team. And then, of course, depending on, on the state of the company, we can see is the is the product market fit like you do in the Western part of the world as well? But if it's very, very early, Tata says, if it's a bit later, that, that means much more than the team, not more than, more than early stage. Uh, on when to, when to exit and company, you know, that's, that's a very good question. I don't think there's a, there's a correct answer to that. It's, uh, exits can be, be a lot of things, you know, it can be a trade sale where you sell the whole company. It can be you just selling secondary shares and the companies continues independently. Can be doing an IPO. It can be a lot of things. But I think the most important thing is to see, okay, when are you the best owner? Uh, are you the right person to develop the, the company as, as an owner? And maybe you're just one of, of many owners. So could the other guys still run it? Would it be better to, to have a VC fund in? to run the company, it would be better to have a strategic buyer to run the company and, and assess those kind of things. And when doing, you know, starting a company, you know, here in America, I mean, entrepreneurship, it's, it's exploded. You know, everybody watches Shark Tank and says, wait, I can do this with somebody else's money. And so I can, you know, and people try to do a lot of things with other people's money. Um, sometimes they do a great job, but 
how do you tackle, I mean, being an investor, when you start a, a company, are you also going after and saying, you know, I have my partners, my friends, and we can, you know, do this together? Or do you just bootstrap, you know, most of the projects you do? Yeah, I think in, in theory, uh, the funding journey is not that different. Uh, well, you do a venture in Africa, you do it in Silicon Valley, uh, in theory. Uh, you go through the same steps, uh, start with friends, family, fools, then you move into find a business angel, then you move into a pre-seed, seed, series A, series B. Well, the major difference is, is really the availability of money. And the, the African ecosystem, you know, Africa is a, is a lot of countries, so, so it's not, not fair just to make a general statement. But in some places, over the last five years, early stage funding has developed a lot. So now I'd say up to tickets around half a million dollars are fairly available, whereas there's really a gap between, I'd say, in the tech space, one to $10 million. When you get above that, then again, there's a lot of uh, impact money floating in and um, a competition about those tickets. So again, that funding game is, is okay as well, but th there's a, it's a gap that you need to be realistic around. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to generalize. I probably try and push the companies a bit longer with my own money than I would have done if I was in uh, Silicon Valley simply because of the valuation you get in the very early stage funding game is, is a bit harder, a bit tricky, and there's less less money. What are your thoughts on, I, I have people who say, Kellen, you know, we, we want you to be part of this company because we think we can raise more money if we, you know, have um, a company in the West, have Western partners. Have you found that to be true? It, it really depends on what would Kellen's role be. But there's, there's clearly, I think one thing to be realistic about is, that fundraising is quite a lot about trust. Uh, people, uh, first-time founders, just per definition, have a harder time finding money and raising money than the second-time founders or multi-time founders that has done successes because it's trust. And because there is just more money in the Western part of the world, then if you find some people that have made successes, that have their network, etc., then it's also easier to fundraise in the Western part of the world. So I think if you look at African ventures, those that have raised a lot of money in in US, for instance, it's because they might have had a co-founder or two co-founders, maybe started the company in the US and then moved into Africa or ran the tech out of the US and then have the operation in Africa. Then there's a link and then you're tapping into to the funding game there as well. Whereas if, if the company is grown out of, let's say, Kenya, it's harder to go overseas and fundraise unless you have some spike, which could be co-founders. Folks, you can kind of see that it can pay to have a Western partner. Do you think, though, is it ever um, disingenuous where, you know, you see people go grab somebody from the West just so they can say we're established there, but pretty much all the work is being done on the continent? I don't know. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen that kind of cases. Um I'm not sure how much how much that would help. You know, you can't really uh, you can't really just put the put it like that because you have uh, founders, then you have late stage founders, then you have angel investors, and there's no doubt. For instance, if I go in invest early stage in a company, then it's easier for me to go back to Europe and fundraise because you know I put money in myself. I'll probably follow into 
into the next round as well. And and the people reason people will invest be because they trust that I'm doing something something that's okay. And I got I made some successes before and I put my own money there. And they don't really question Mark. Okay, where are the jobs done? Is it done in done in Africa or in Europe? Uh, so I think whereas if we start a company from scratch. I don't think I would be much use if I was a co-founder just sitting in Denmark. But if I'm commuting in and out, being on the continent every second week, it's a different game than actually taking part of it. Um, so I think most people would actually see it as an advantage that the full operation runs in uh, in Africa. Uh, but I think it comes back to, to the trust game again. I mean, when people know some people, uh, it's easier to gain their trust. It's easier to, to get the investment. It's not that much different than if you know, I'm based in, in Denmark at the moment. If I went to Silicon Valley and um, and wanted to fundraise, it would be hard for me unless I've, I put my operation there or I knew a bunch of people. Whereas in Europe, I'll, I'll know more people. If you came to, to Denmark, you would have a hard time fundraising as well. Whereas if you do it in your in your garden in Silicon Valley, you know, people know you, you've done your successes there, it's be easier. You have, you know, uh, tech is a big part of your life. How do you go from tech to beauty? Like, how did you even find that angle? Did you, you know, was it one of those things where you saw it written on a pad, you know, the beauty industry, and you said, you know what, I'm just going to go geek out, study all of what I need to know. But beauty, especially in Africa, like, how did that just click for you? Yeah, yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no. It actually started in a, it started in a different way. And you know, I had, um, I started doing tech investments in Africa in 13, 14. And then when we got to 15, 16, I thought the market were kind of ready for e-commerce because a company named Jumia, they had spent more than a billion dollars on educating the African population about e-commerce. So I said, I actually think that the market starts being mature now. And then I got a bit of inspiration from, from US where, where Amazon bought diapers.com, I think it was back in 2010, and say, why would Amazon buy anything? We, we all know they, they can do everything. But that was because someone found a huge vertical area and became the best there. And therefore, I said, well, we don't want to go in, compete head-to-head with Jumia. They got too, heavy, too deep pockets. But could we find uh, a large vertical, vertical industry um, and go and excel there? And uh, after doing some analysis, I found the beauty market to be be massive. I uh, looked at the value chain as well, could see there's some disruption to be done. Um, and that's the reason we, we ended up in, in the beauty space. Uh, then we actually ended up starting in the human hair market. And that was due to inspiration from a, from a US company, again, called uh, maven.com. Um, they'd just been backed by Andres Horowitz at that point in time. Think Serena Williams as well, Jim Collins, uh, doing quite good in the human hair market in the States. And then just made my, did my spreadsheets, realized how big the hair market was across Africa compared to US and could see us doing good business there. So to me, it was more, much more about the operation, efficiency and digitalization, and then hired a team that knew a lot about beauty. And, you know, you took it a step forward where I could just hear uh, people in Africa say, hold on. 
you mean this company has its own delivery drivers? Um, because now it's like, you know, transportation and traffic in Nairobi is crazy, like it is in many places um, on the continent. It's like New York times three, at least. Um, you know, how, how much pushback did you did you get when you say, I want to do this and I also want to have our own delivery drivers? Because, you know, Jumia is still a, a new concept. Something when I was in Nairobi, I, I was like, wow, I'm going to, you know, get some stock in this. But to have your own drivers, I mean, was that complex? And will that go into maybe, you know, a transportation company? Because you already have, you know, the drivers. Yeah, no, it's 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 funny enough. It was I didn't get that much pushback, but it was actually one of my my own biggest worries was the last mile distribution. A but that really the last five years the challenge in e-commerce in Africa or at least in Kenya has not been last mile distribution. Uh, it's it's different different areas, but but no, I mean uh, running our own uh, delivery services is. It's fairly simple. Uh, it's never simple, but but it's not the hard thing. Um, so would it go into a to a separate entity? No, 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 not not in this company. Uh, you know, the reason we want to run our own uh, delivery service is, you know, it's it's only physical interaction that the client have with the company, and therefore we want to control what is that kind of service we're giving the client. So we had a survey. In beauty, uh, it wasn't beautifully doing it, but there was a survey on the e-commerce market in Kenya a couple of weeks ago on uh, customer satisfaction, and uh, beautifully pulled out as as number one uh, in front of all the big ones. And uh, of course, we run different service concept. And with the success that you are having, and that you are gonna have in the future, you know, best is yet to come. You're young still. What is a community give back that you are doing or that you plan on doing? Well, we're looking. I mean, we're looking at the community giveaways uh, all the time, and how can we how can we give back? Uh, I'm I'm a strong believer that the biggest the biggest give back you can do to to the community is really to make some role models, um, educate some people, um, and really make a sustainable business. Because if you look at the whole ecosystem uh, for entrepreneurship in across Africa, you mentioned yourself in in Silicon Valley. You know, entrepreneurship is extremely hot. Why is it extremely hot? Uh, some people would say it's because there's a lot of money there. Well, I don't think so. I think it's because a lot of people made a lot of money there on entrepreneurship. You have role models. You've seen a ton of uh, billionaires coming out of uh, Facebook, uh, different different exits. And you don't really have that kind of role models um, in in Africa, especially in Kenya yet, which is really what what's going to force people into entrepreneurship. So I think the most important thing for the whole ecosystem is really to to create role models in entrepreneurship, so it gets more accepted um, really to go into entrepreneurship. Uh, a lot of the investors typically ask, uh, "Have we?" Have we remembered to tie up uh, management uh, in good warrant programs so they stay stay with us? But you know, it's just you can't pay your brothers and sisters school fees with warrants. Uh, I mean, cash is king here, and it's different uh, motivation mechanisms and the different obligations on the uh, on the senior staff. So you need to to work on different motivation methods, and that that's quite important. 
And then, you know, I wrote a book, a book half a year ago called Digital Africa, investing in Africa's most untapped source. That's part of giving back to the community as well. Um, you know, sharing my learnings and how can we put more focus on digitalization. And, you know, you being an investor and somebody hearing this and saying, okay, he, he's an investor. Can you talk about the proper way of someone, you know, reaching out to you saying, hey, I have the, the greatest, you know, idea since sliced bread, which is a, for me, an old George Carlin joke because it's sliced bread and you cut it. What's so interesting about it? But how is the proper way to reach out to an investor? As an entrepreneur? Uh, correct. Yeah, uh, the, the right thing is to, to look me up, uh, send me an email with, with a teaser and they will take it from there. Okay. And, and, um, and that, in that teaser, cause I've had people send me, you know, stuff and it's like a 50 page pitch deck. And I'm like, Hey, you could have, you could have really stopped at 20, maybe even 10, but you know, is, is that teaser a, a, a video explaining it easily for you? Or is it a PDF of, you know, 10 to 20 slides saying, you know, we've done our research. Yeah, it's, it could be a video, but it could be a PDF with, I'd say three to five slides. Uh, I mean, if there's 10 before I ever meet the, the company, I probably don't read those 10 slides. You know, whatever format uh, format works, but but 50 pages, no. Um, no, no, you need to be interested first and then dig into it before that. Um, and I, I mean, always a good, good way as an entrepreneur, if you want to reach an investor, is to get an introduction. If find someone that, for instance, if they want to reach me and get my attention, Find someone that knows me. Make them uh, make sure they they do an intro. Then you know, then the attention rate is is much higher. Uh, I guess that that goes universal also in in the states or anywhere. If you want to reach busy people, if you can get an intro for some interesting people, it, it works. Well, you guys have not just got the game, but you have game to go check out the book Digital Africa: Investing in Africa's Most Untapped Resource. Check that out. It can be on Amazon. Maybe it's even on Jumia. I don't know. I, I I want Jumia to keep on rising like it did a few months ago, you know, when it was at $60 per share. But um, Jesper, I appreciate you for coming on, sharing the game. And, you know, we look forward to your, your next venture so that we know to come. Thanks for the invitation. Take care. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia. Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is gonna cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that 100 US dollars is worth 1,000 South African rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African. I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, 
always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifygame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.